0: Welcome to the 340B Insider Podcast, hosted by RX Strategies. Let's listen in.
1: Hello, and welcome to the RX Strategies 340B Insider Podcast. My name is Jonathan Ginn. I'm also joined by Rodi Smith.
2: Hi, good morning or well, good afternoon, depends where you are. I uh, look forward to spending some time with all of you in the next uh, 15, 20 minutes.
1: Today our guest is Rob Johnson. Rob is a pharmacist and entrepreneur who founded RPH Innovation. RPHI provides professional support services to 340B covered entities. Rob, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about RPHI.
0: Well, thank you, John. RPH Innovations started providing 340B support services to its first client back in 2011, and quickly gained appreciation for the impact the 340B program can make on rural communities and the differences it can make in people's lives in terms of creating access to affordable medication. So today, it's grown into an organization that really looks at the needs of the covered entity and what the gaps that they have in in terms of resources and tries to fill in those gaps with experienced people that can help them manage through some of the challenges, as well as some of the more complex things like referrals and 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 ESP filings and those sorts of things. So thanks again for having me here, John.
1: Thanks for joining us, Rob. I'll start with an open-ended question. Uh, how have you seen the dynamics changing in 340B over the last several years?
0: Well, that's a good question. Uh, like I Like I said, More recently with the manufacturer blocks, things have gotten a lot more complex. The manufacturer blocks have required you to designate pharmacies to to submit claims to pharma and make sure all your price files are correct and so forth. That whole process of assessing what pharmacy do I choose, managing through those relationships in the community when you have multiple independents that have been working with you for a long time, all those things are hard to do and it's just really gotten more complex over time and i could i see it continuing to get more and more complex yeah uh, robert's roadie uh
2: the question i just want to ask for maybe the audience is that um maybe a covered entity currently have a third-party administrator Uh, what value do you think rph innovations can bring to them because you, you you sort of pointed a couple of things you know you're talking about expansion of contract pharmacies price file verifications you know, uh, maybe some eligibility, and that's sort of the role I think sometimes of the third-party administrator. But what do you think the value, what ROI R- RPH Innovations can bring into a client, so they can actually increase their savings potential when they do recruit RPH Innovations? That's independent
0: of uh, independent from anyone else. Yeah, you know, we we function as an extension of the covered entity. And over the years, we've developed relationships and gained understanding of most of the TPAs out there. The, the main things that RPHI does with the TPA is we make sure that all the files that are loaded that that really are used for the eligibility, so that you can actually capture your claims, are correct and monitored. Because a lot of things can happen, whether it be that the covered entities sends in the wrong format, or or forgets some doctors, or it doesn't take a doctor off. So continually monitoring the data interface between uh, the covered entity and the TPA is something that somebody's got to do. There aren't extra people sitting around at most covered entities to do these types of jobs. When something does happen, working through those challenges and, and having an understanding of what is the responsibility and being able to talk to both sides in their language so that those problems can be corrected as soon as possible. Uh, we know how they work. Uh, we know the s- specifics around configurations and what edits are called, and and how to set those up with if, you know the different TPAs, so the communication is better and more accurate. And uh, we just had a m- lot more interactions than a single community health center can have with a TPA.
1: Rob, going back, you you had mentioned price files and some some concerns or issues around price file maintenance. Uh, can can you elaborate a little bit on that topic?
0: The the entire ESP process can be a little complicated, and you know you've got to designate your pharmacy. You have to register uh, on, on ESP. You have to submit your claims, and each of the manufacturers are slightly different. Uh, you know, there's not a huge difference, but there's. Yeah, you know, they have their little uh, idiosyncrasies. One one process that you may or may not be aware of is that the TPAs get their price files from the wholesalers and they use that price file to process the claim and apply certain things like profitability logic and they order drug once once uh, the, the claim approved and the wholesaler is gonna ship that drug and then build that pharmacy. Well, the process currently does not work that well and there are a bunch of reasons why You'll check on Tuesday, and if you check your price, what price the drug is, your 340B drug is on Tuesday, it will be priced at 340B price. And then the next day, there's a price file, and it's at retail price. There's a million reasons why this happens. I won't go into it. Every time that happens, one, the entity's at risk financially on all the self-pay, because if your self-pay logic is, just charge my sliding fees, you're not buying a 340B price. It could be a $1,000 drug, And you're going to lose $1,000 and it's out the door. You're not going to get your money back. Just having a process to monitor what that price is on a daily basis and having the technology to be able to do that efficiently, um, it's really the covered entity's responsibility. The the covered entity is the one that holds the risk because they're the ones that have to pay the bill. And if you, you have the wrong price, you're going to be paying too much and it can be significant. So it's important to monitor that.
2: Yeah, and I like the fact that John talked to your staff earlier <clears throat> that you have the technology to catch that. If there's a price discrepancy, you have the technology to have an alarm or a notification that there's something wrong, uh, and that's correct to assume that because I think I've seen that before. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, we've invested a lot in the data, and data, and information over the years uh, because you know to do this efficiently. You've you've got to see the whole picture. So we've we've developed uh technologies to be able to take all the reporting in from the various TPAs and put that in one data set and then we can use that to more efficiently identify those types of things.
2: Now now if you see a, a, a discrepancy coming through the process, through your technology, is there a way and means that you then communicate to a client to reprocess that claim so they can grant that
0: benefit? Yes. You got to get it fixed to start with so we do the legwork we will try to reprocess that claim i think the important thing is you catch these you got to you got to be on this and monitor it and catch it as it's as it's happening but there are ways to fix it if if it's on a commercial claim or a a non self pay claim so in the in the context
1: of you know manufacture blocks and and kind of additional program scrutiny um, that exists out there currently are you seeing an increase in interest in creating in-house pharmacy even at smaller health centers or, or other facilities to circumvent um, some of these recent developments that, that we've been we've been discussing
0: what we're hearing or what people are hearing is that in-house pharmacies is silver bullet that cures all this. And uh, I think it's important all the factors are considered when doing in-house pharmacy. Uh, but as things move forward, I think they've got to look and say, you know, does it make sense for me? And to make a good decision on that, you've got to really evaluate the, the your current market share, how much you're going to get. So when you start thinking about, is it in my budget to do an in-house pharmacy? I think there's You've got to look at it broader than that, right? What is the total savings that you're going to to achieve through this in-house pharmacy, and what's it going to do? If if you look at in-house pharmacy as a dispensing, a place you dispense and make money by dispensing and try to do the math on that, considering you're not going to move all the commercial business, I doubt it makes financial sense. If you start layering in the other things which would require clinical integration of that pharmacy into the practice of the clinic and other things, I think that then it begins to make a little more sense. It's a long way of saying people are thinking, yes, this might be the silver bullet that fixes this. We get a ro- more robust distribution channel, but it's more complex than that. And I think most covered entities could benefit from talking to somebody who has been through this before or a consultant that is familiar with this and familiar with the program.
2: Yep. Now, and I think the comment that I wanted to make before um, we sort of talked of each other is that do you think, just based on your 15 years' experience in this space, do you think we are going to get to a better place? What's are feeling looking at the industry today? Because it feels to me every week we go by, there's a new drug manufacturer putting more restrictions on it. I think sometimes three, four, be ESP cannot, cannot handle the submission. Uh, they still all have issues of getting that right. So if you have a crystal ball looking at the space, what do you think you foresee moving forward? I know elections are going to come up next week. We are waiting for court proceedings to, to go through. But again, if, if you think you have a crystal ball, what do you think where we're we going to be in, let's just say, in five months? Do you think we'll be in a better place, worse place? Your experience from RPA <laughs> generations, talking about industry leaders.
0: Well, Brody, you have been in it about as long as I have. And if you go back, 10 years, 8 years, 9 years, however however long, there's always been something that's big. And then you go to the conferences, and it sounds a lot like the conference before. I don't see that much fundamental change because the the underlying factors that are causing the pressures aren't changing. And I I don't think Congress is going to take action. It's not understood well enough for them to take action and... In a four-year cycle, by the time they get around to it, it's about time to get re-elected. So I think the market's going to drive a lot of it like it has with manufacturers for the foreseeable future. And you're going to get pressure from the three, four to be covered in days to expand the patient definition. There's going to be continued uh, push on that. So I think the courts may decide some of it, but I think... No matter what's decided by the courts, like most things in healthcare, people find a way. And I don't think the 340B program is going to go away. So it's going to evolve and going to react to different stakeholders in the market's pressure.
1: Rob, another question for you. Um, Kind of shifting topics here back more to uh, broad program issues, uh, broad program optimization. I'm curious, what are some of the leading issues that currently prevent covered entities, health centers, community health centers, hospitals, from, from realizing their full 340B program savings potential?
0: Um, the symptoms are your provider files aren't up to date. The plan isn't being adjudicated as you thought. For instance, your look back of a visit with a patient is set at 90 days, and so you're missing a whole bunch of claims for adjudication, so understanding those edits make a big difference. If if you're missing two providers and you only have 10, you could potentially be down 20, 30% of your revenue. Uh, if your patient files aren't up to date, those are all the symptoms, right? You fail to uh, seize opportunity when those things are wrong, but it comes down to the data because those things are all solved by data. And when you have that data, then you can really quantify the full opportunity. Uh, one example would be e-prescribing files you know, the industry was set up when there wasn't universal use of EMRs. And so we use patient visits many times as the qualifying event. And then you get audited and they're saying, we're, we're showing your EMR that you wrote this prescription. And with COVID and everything else and more with more telemedicine, you're not seeing as many visits, but you see the scripts. So I looked at it a couple of years ago. There's about 15% of all eligible encounters that are documented through e-prescribing are not included in the visits. So those little tiny things are the foundational stuff that most covered entities aren't thinking about, don't know about, and they could really benefit from. What we typically see is about a five-fold increase in revenue uh, when we get involved. And it's really just a combination of making sure you have a good distribution network, make sure your eligibility files up to speed, make sure your configurations and your TPA are working the way you want them to. Then after that, it's getting to how do you approach referrals, external pro- providers, and those types of things, that's very challenging and I haven't seen
1: So essentially data maintenance, my takeaway from that was, was ma- maintenance of data integrity and, and optimization of data integrity, or
0: kind of, that's,
1: that's the foundation of, of an optimized program.
0: Right, and making sure that, that the configurations at the TPA are doing what you want them to do, and setting up your policy and procedures to maximize your uh, savings, and then making sure the TPA is administering the program in accordance with your policies and procedures. partnership with your TPA,
1: you know, consistent communication, uh, making sure everybody's on the same page.
0: Right. Most covered entities do not understand how TPAs process claims. They don't understand the logic. And so making sure you understand the logic of what qualifies the claim, and that's why I said, use your start with your policies and procedures, and then make sure the logic fits your policies and procedures. But most covered entities do not understand the logic beyond it. Was not Medicaid? Was not your patient? Was it wasn't your visit? Did you a visit?
1: So that's that's good feedback. So what I'm hearing is, it's important for a covered entity to understand the logic so that they can essentially audit the configuration on the TPA side.
0: Right. You know, the, most TPAs have standard settings when they do setups. And even if they ask to cover what to tell them, right, of how to how to change those if they wanted something non-standard. But sometimes those standard edits have impact on savings. So understanding what the standard and and what would optimize it for that client is important.
1: Got it. So we've got to let our listeners get back to optimizing their own programs. Yes. Um, so, before we wrap it up, I've got one more question for you, um, and this is this kind of relates to the future state of 340B. So, uh, where do you see RPHI and or the 340B program in a general sense uh, going into the next five years?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be more around quality of claims and quantity, and I don't want this to get lost that 340B is all about creating uh, revenue from savings because every time we don't capture it aren't able to capture a claim a commercial claim that same claim can't be qualified on the self-pay side and the people that can't afford the drugs have to go some other route so i i, I don't want this to come off as our whole goal is to, you know to maximize the money to max, the max the the goal is to maximize the program for the community and so when i say quality claims they're there are a, a lot of claims that aren't captured still. And it's because there's lack of definition or people haven't de- designed their de- patient definition uh, in such a way that they can and still stay compliant. There is a lack of insight and de- and information to what the potential is. So what I see is I see RPHI playing that role of, you know, and... Uh, have a data aggregator, analyzer, optimizer, and sharing information back with the clinics where the real work happens so that changes can be made so that more more people, more patients are qualified under the 340B program and you can have greater impact uh, than, than what we're seeing today.
1: Got it. Well, I think that wraps up my questions. Rob, I really appreciate you hopping on and uh, all the listeners out there, we appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
0: Listeners, don't forget to visit 340binsider.com where you can find show notes, resources, and additional podcast episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time.